Eternal, righteous, and invisible Father in heaven, we thank you so much for giving us the privilege of life. We thank you for all the blessings that you have graciously strewn on our pathway in giving us the spiritual blessing of wisdom and understanding and of your word, of the Holy Spirit and the holy angels working on our behalf and our Lord Jesus interceding for us. We thank you for the temporary blessings you've given to us, all these things that you give to us. We pray that we shall not be treacherous towards you, but that we shall give you all faithfulness and loyalty. On that note, Lord, we ask that as we fellowship with you now, you grant us power through your Spirit, power to do your will, to correct the defects still there in our character, that we may be formed into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Put your words in my mouth to this end, that your children may be blessed. May the word spoken apply to every individual when necessary. Impress it in our hearts, dear Lord, in Jesus' name of prayer. Amen. Conflict and Courage November 4 A Fond Mother's Request To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Revelation chapter 3 verse 21 James and John presented through their mother a petition requesting that they might be permitted to occupy the highest positions of high honor in Christ's kingdom. Notwithstanding Christ's repeated instruction concerning the nature of his kingdom, these young disciples still cherished the hope for a Messiah who would take his throne and kingly power in accordance with the desires of men. But the Savior answered, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They recalled his mysterious words, pointing to trial and suffering, yet answered confidently, We are able. They would count it highest honor to prove their loyalty by sharing all that was to befall their Lord. Ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, Christ declared. James and John were to be sharers with their master in suffering, the one destined to swift coming death by the sword, the other, longest of all the disciples, to follow his master in labor and reproach and persecution. But to sit on my right hand and on my left, he continued, is not mine to give but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. In the kingdom of God, position is not gained through favoritism. It is not earned, nor is it received through an arbitrary bestowal. It is the result of character. The crown and the throne are the tokens of a condition attained, tokens of self-conquest, through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who stands nearest to Christ will be he who has drunk most deeply of his spirit of self-sacrificing 
love, love that vaunted not itself, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, love that moves the disciple as it moved our Lord to give all, to live and labor and sacrifice even unto death for the saving of humanity. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is A Fond Mother's Request. Reading from the book of Matthew 20, reading from verse 20 to 23, we are told, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshipping him, and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She said unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. And he said unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. Amen. The requests of James and John through their mother, one may look at it from various perspectives. First of all, we see in them a desire to take the highest place. But then, on the other hand, you see a desire for the glory and honor of God. Well, but at the time this request was made, they were thinking of themselves and they wanted to occupy a very high position. While it is that Jesus didn't necessarily rebuke them for trying to seek the highest place directly, he later did so. But the first thing we'll be looking at to learn as a lesson in this devotion is strife, the spirit of strife. You see, the spirit of strife and competition is one of the chief attributes of Satan. It is this spirit that is the root of the woes of the world today, seeing we began with Satan seeking to be first. Isaiah 14 verse 12 to 14 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nation? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. You see, this is not the spirit of any follower of Jesus. We are to live for others, not for self. This request of James and John caused a stare among the disciples. Matthew 20 verse 24 to 28 says, And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren, that's James and John. But Jesus called them unto him, and he said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and that they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Amen. 
there's a lesson very deep for us to learn here. The disciples, the other ten, when they heard it, they were not happy, especially Judas, of course. And truly, the request of James and John, while Jesus did not directly rebuke them at that time, showed that they wanted superiority over the other ten disciples. That kind of spirit is not the best for one to cherish in his mind, a desire for superiority over others. And Jesus decided to address this. And he said to them what he is saying to us today. If you have that same desire for superiority, you want to be the one who is the highest in the highest position, then you should be the one who would lower yourself in humility to serve. And I can understand why Jesus will say this. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will break it down both to myself and to you who are listening to me. If we must take the highest position, we must see the example of God and his son Jesus, the father and the son, that they also, being in the highest position, were the ones and are still the ones who are taking the work of ministering as servants of servants. That is what Jesus is, a servant of servants. For he served and therefore he will take the highest position. He will be the greatest because he served the greatest. He ministered the greatest. He used himself as an example. He said in Matthew 20 verse 28, let me start from verse 27, Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So do you want to take the chiefest position? We need to learn to give our lives for others and that's why at the end of the devotion in the last paragraph there we read something to this effect in conflict and courage page 314 paragraph 5 in the kingdom of god position is not gained through favoritism and then paragraph 6 says the one who stands nearest to christ will be he who has drunk most deeply of his spirit of self-sacrificing love and towards the end we are told love that moves the disciple as it moved our lord to give all to live and labor and sacrifice that's what makes us the chiefest of the people to live and labor and sacrifice even unto death for the saving of humanity that is what will make you the chiefest in the kingdom of god it is not for others to live to minister to you because john and james requesting to be at the right and left of jesus they were not looking at it from the perspective of them being a minister to others but they were looking at it from the perspective of the other 10 ministering to them that's why the other 10 were really offended with them oh so you want us to be the one that will be ministering to you the way we are ministering to jesus jesus told them look at me i am the one ministering to the world i am the one bringing myself down to serve the world i'm the one laying down my life for the world if you want to be the chiefest follow my example that's simply what jesus was saying so do you want to be the chiefest today then you must sacrifice all and give yourself for the saving of humanity that is what will make you the chiefest reading from science of the times january 15 1885 paragraph 8 to throw more light on this it says and when the ten heard it they were moved with indignation do you know what indignation is deep anger against the two brethren they were not less anxious than james and john to secure the chief places in the kingdom of christ they were therefore angry with the two brothers for taking as they thought an undue advantage 
aware of their ambition and their resentment, Jesus reasoned with them. You know, he said, that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. There was to be a difference between his kingdom and the kingdom of the world. The princes of the Gentiles were ambitious and sought for place and power, but their course in this respect resulted from false ideas of greatness and the pride of the human heart. Among the disciples of Christ, an entirely different state of things were, was to exist. One was not to aspire to dominion over his brethren and to seek to be Lord over God's heritage. Even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He, their master, had set them an example of unselfish care for others. He was Lord of heaven, and angels obeyed his word. Yet he condescended to take upon himself the weaknesses and infirmities of human nature, to live as man's example, and to die his sacrifice. He did not, while upon earth, choose for himself wealth and honor and pleasant associations, but his life was spent among humble peasants in ministering to the wants of the needy and the afflicted. He did not shrink from contact with the most degraded and sinful. He preached the good news of pardon and peace to all who would accept it on heaven's gracious and liberal terms, and in their ministry the disciples were to follow his example. Reading paragraph 11 says, The instruction that Christ gave was not designed merely for the little group that listened to his words, but was recorded for the benefit of all his followers to the close of time. The truths he unfolded are of universal application and should deeply impress our hearts, for they were never more needed than at the present time. The desire for place and power was never stronger, and there are many who think of others only to plan to advantage themselves at their neighbor's expense." End of quote. And what comes to my mind now as I am speaking is the strife that takes place in the churches of today. Whenever there is time to do, do the nominating committee, nominating, nominating committee, and to choose officers for the next year's service, you see that people actually want to serve by being Lord over God's heritage. Because the positions that are given in the church are handled in such a way that those who hold those positions are actually not servants like Jesus. They are actually not necessarily ministering to the people but they are like lords of God's heritage. Therefore, people strive for it. Somebody strives because he wants to be the Sabbath school superintendent, another wants to be the secretary, another wants to be the head elder and then they strive and say, no, you must remove this person and add this person and all of that. Why is it so? Is it not because of the way that such offices are handled? People who handle such offices, they simply, not all the time, but many times, because of the honor given in such a position and the power, they strive for it. But that is the way the world operates. Jesus is saying to us today, to every Christian and every church and leader, it shall not be so among you. This is how the Gentiles do. But if you must be the chief among God's people, you should be a servant. So, who is the position of being at the right hand of Jesus reserved for? We have already read it. It is for those who would 
spend all for Christ to, for the saving of souls. In Revelation 3 verse 21 and 22, Jesus said to him that overcometh, Will I grant to sit in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne? And they said, Let him that he that had an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. And truly, that is what it is today. We must overcome if we must sit with Jesus on his throne. We must overcome. James and John, who made that request, Jesus asked them, Can you do what I am doing to spend yourself? And they thought about it. Intelligently, they answered, Yes. How about you? What will your answer be? Jesus did not say, you don't know yourself. You are going to deny me the way he told Peter. He told them, yes, indeed, you are actually going to do that. The book of Acts 12 verse 1 and 2 tells us of how James was the first of them to die for Christ. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. He was the first of the apostles to die. He indeed was baptized with the baptism of Jesus and he laid down his life for Christ's sake. Jesus evaluated the two of them and said, You can actually do it, and I know you. I, he could read their heart. How about you? Can, if Jesus reads your heart, what will he see? What will he see? Will he see someone like James and John who said, Yes, we can. We can be baptized with the baptism that you will be baptized with. Can you say yes about yourself? Of course, we need to pray, Lord, please make me that way make me that way but coming back to the issue of greatness thinking about the character of christ this is what jesus was saying he pointed to himself as the example of the chiefest of those that are great but how the method was not the way james and john wanted it by sitting at the right and left of jesus but jesus said i will show you how by ministering just like i am ministering reading from philippians 2 verse 1 it says if therefore there if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Amen. What does this mean for us? Let us take time to chew on what we just read about Jesus. As opposed to the mindset of all we seek in the first place, we are told to have the mind of Christ, who was not striving for the first place, but seeking to spend himself, lower himself, so that though he were first, he would be last, just so that we can take the place of being first. We are to have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is a principle that pervades all heaven. The principle of self-sacrificing love, the desire to leave the first place for our brethren, the desire of love for others so deep that we would relinquish our best gifts or the best gifts that exist, not just even though it is not in our possession, but if it actually exists, we will work for others to take it, not necessarily working for ourselves to take it like James and John were wanting to do. 
literally this means that when we see something that we consider to be the very valuable thing the most valuable the thought of our mind will not be of how we can grasp it for ourselves but rather the the thought that will be in our mind will be how we can secure that gift for others even if it means that we are not going to be partakers of it was this not what christ did he did not consider his life to be anything or his position he gave up his own life if only that we may have life ourselves and he did not have any assurance on the cross he i mean he could not see through the darkness knowing that he was going to resurrect do you know that jesus was ready to remain dead so that you can have life do you know that that he was ready to lose his own life even if it means that he will never live again so that we can live that is what it means to have the mind of Christ. He was not striving to retain his position as God. He was ready to relinquish, his, relinquish it so that we can be elevated, so that we can be uplifted to that same position that he left. Let this mind be in you, Jesus says. It is the principle of self-sacrificing love. And when you say self-sacrificing, something must die, something must be given up so that something else will be gained. In heaven, that is the principle, and we must learn it here on earth. Desire of Ages, page 21, paragraph 1, tells us about how the angels of God have this principle. It says, the angels of glory find their joy in giving, giving love and tireless watch care to souls that are fallen and unholy. Heavenly beings woo the hearts of men. They bring to this dark world light from the courts above. By gentle and patient ministry, they move upon the human heart to bring the lost into a fellowship with Christ. Here now, into a fellowship with Christ which is even closer than they themselves can know. Oh my, let us chew on that. Do you see? This is that mind that we're talking about. James and John were not laboring for their ten brethren to come closer to Christ more than they themselves knew angels of god hear this are laboring tirelessly on our behalf for what purpose for us to take their position and what is their position they are closer to god than ourselves but the end of their labor is going to bring us to a greater nearness to god than they can ever know do you see that mind of christ now it is not strife. There's no competition among the angels. I would usually tell people, when you are going into a place and you know there is limited seat, if you were in heaven, for example, and there's a hall and the seats are limited and, ev- and then everybody's standing outside and there's just once they're going to open the door and everybody's supposed to go inside at the same time and get seats and then there are angels there and then you are there and then when the door opens, the angels rush to go and get a seat and you are rushing to get a seat and just as you get there, there's one angel who holds a seat and two of you hold the seat at the same time and then you are trying to wrest it out of the angel's hand and the angel too is like allows you to take the seat and say oh sorry i was actually trying to get the seat for you and then how would you feel after you drag the seat from the angel's hand and he tells you i wasn't trying to take the seat for myself i was actually rushing to secure it so that you will find somewhere to sit and i'm content to stand would that not melt you to see how selfish you are that you were dragging the seat for yourself from someone who was actually trying to desperately keep that seat for you let this mind be in you continuing from desire of ages page 21 paragraph 2 now we are told but turning 
from all lesser representations. We behold God in Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, we see that it is the glory of our God to give. I do nothing of myself, said Christ. The living Father had sent me, and I live by the Father. I seek not mine own glory, but the glory of him that sent me. John 8 verse 28, 6 verse 57, 8 verse 50, and 7 verse 18. In these words is set forth the great principle which is the law of life for the universe. You want to know the law of life for the universe? Hear it. This is the principle. All things Christ received from God, but he took to give. So in the heavenly courts, in his ministry for all created beings, through the beloved Son, the Father's life flows out to all. Through the Son, it returns in praise and joyous service, a tide of love to the great source of all. And thus, through Christ, the circuit of beneficence is complete, representing the character of the giver, of the great giver, the law of life. Amen. Self-sacrificing love is the principle of heaven. The book of 1 Corinthians 13 sets forth for us the motivation of love. After Paul was telling us to strive for the best gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which includes apostleship and prophesying and all of that, administration, miracles and healings and, and all of that, he said, but I will show you a more excellent way. The matter is the way. You want the gifts of the Lord, but how are you trying to secure it? That is what John and the Bapt- John and his brother came to Jesus. They wanted the best gifts, but how? Jesus told them the problem was not securing the best gift, but how? Do you want to be the chiefest? He told them. I'm not against that. But how are you going about it? He told them. This is how. It is not by lobbying. It is not by favoritism. It is by lowering yourself to the lowest depth. That's how you be the chiefest. And that is what we call self-sacrificing love. The principle of love, those words that Paul wrote in the book of 1 Corinthians 13 are filled with so much meaning. It says in the book Acts of the Apostles, that's the book written by Acts Acts of the Apostles, page 318, paragraph 1, we are told, and then in words which from that day to this have been to men and women a source of inspiration and encouragement, Paul set forth the importance of that love which should be cherished by the followers of Christ. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profited me nothing. No matter how high the profession, he whose heart is not filled with love for God and his fellow men is not a true disciple of Christ. Though he should possess great faith and have power even to work miracles, yet without love his faith would be worthless. He might display great liberality, but should he from some other motive than genuine love bestow all his goods to feed the poor? The act would not commend him to the favor of God. In his zeal, he might even meet a martyr's death. Yet, if not actuated by love, he would be regarded by God as a deluded enthusiast 
or an ambitious hypocrite end of quote this is set forth for us the principle that will make you the chiefest in god's kingdom the principle of self-sacrifice and love it is a motive it is not necessarily an act alone yes it is an act but if that act the motive behind it is not this principle of love for others because you can do all these things that was listed here giving your body to be burned having faith that move mountains but what for the glory of self love rather seeks to help others that is the principle of love it is what is set forth in the commandments of god listen to the commandments does it say does it talk about your duty to yourself the commandments is all about others god first others next and yourself last when i was younger they used to teach us a song that says j-o-y j-o-y this is what it means jesus first others next and yourself last now this is what love is about you look at the commandments of god that is love first four commandments tells you what you should do for God. Last six commandments tells you what you should do for others. Nothing about self in the commandments. It's all about duty to others. But then, the opposite of commandments is thinking about self. If you look at the commandments, you see that inside it, it tells you your motivation. You are to be motivated by love for others. God and others. That is what it's about. Nothing of self in it. If you love others, you won't do this to them. If you love others, you won't kill, steal, and all of that. If you love God, you will do all these things. It's all about love, motivated by that desire to see others lifted up, to see the glory and the blessing of others, even at our own expense. You have the strength to take something from other persons by force, but because of love, at my own expense, I will not do that. That's why God says, Thou shalt not steal. One other thing that we will learn concerning this matter is in the parable that Jesus told concerning the wedding feast. In Luke 14, verse 7 to 11, it says, And he put forth a parable to those who, which were bidden, when he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidding of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honourable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher, then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Reading from Review and Herald, October 8, 1895, paragraph 3, to explain this, it says, In this parable, the Lord shows us that he disapproves of the efforts of men to seek to be thought the greatest. The spirit that urges men to seek the highest place is accompanied with pride, selfishness, and self-esteem. And the result will be that he who struggles for the highest position will find himself in the lowest. Nothing will make a man really great except to be truly good. But he who is wholly consecrated to God does not have the exaltation of self in view but the glory of God. Amid the scenes of daily life, character is developed and made manifest. As we seek to bring the truth into practical life, we shall see the importance of taking heed to ourselves. Paragraph 4 says, Self-exaltation leads to most inconsistent manifestations. 
those who indulge this spirit may profess the name of Christ, but their acts of selfishness, their inconsistency, put stumbling blocks in the way of sinners. And we shall never know in this world the mischief that is done by their inconsistent course. The absence of Christian humility and meekness is expressed in character." End of quote. So in this parable, Jesus is still teaching the same lesson. Leave the first position for others, not necessarily thinking about yourself. Going on, it says, Christ says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He who cherishes pride and selfish feelings will show that he is seeking self-exaltation in the little and larger things of life. Those who are really worthy of attention and preference will never be found putting themselves forward but will leave the best and highest places for someone else. This is the key of what we are saying. I'll take that line again. Those who are really worthy of attention and preference will never be found putting themselves forward but will leave the best and highest places for someone else, esteeming others better than themselves. Yet, this very modesty and humility of character cannot be hid. The person who is willing to be little and unknown will be esteemed, for his life will be fragrant with unselfish actions. He will not be ostentatious and seek to impress upon others in a lower position that he is vastly their superior. Grace works quietly and steadily and educates the believing soul in such a way that he conforms to principles upon which a well-directed education is found. It is the Spirit of God that works to mold and fashion the human agent through acts oft repeated to the model of Christ's character. Faithful in little things, the Christian pays strict attention to the smallest matters and thus forms a character that will lead him to be faithful in great matters. He possesses the faith that works by love and purifies the soul. God has made us his own by creation and redemption, and if we are willing to occupy a lowly position in this life and content to be little and unknown, we shall have a full recognition in the future life. Our Redeemer will say, Child, come up higher. God has caused the sun to bless with its light, not only the mountain heights, but the lowly valleys and plains. And He will cause the beams of the Son of Righteousness to fill the souls of those who are humble and contrite, whose spirit is meek and lowly. The love and grace of Christ will fill the soul of him who humbly walks with God as did Enoch. It is in proportion as the heart is sanctified by grace and filled with active love for God and for our fellow men that we do nothing for show or by compulsion. Those who love God do that which is pleasant for them to do and that is to reveal God in character and submit the whole heart to the sanctification of the truth." End of quote. All what I have just read now, I hope that it is bringing thoughts to your mind. Look at what we read. That those who are really the Christians will not be seen striving for the best position. And when you see it happening in church, wanting to be recognized, wanting to be known, wanting to take the highest place, desiring it in the heart. Rather, if you have the Spirit of Christ, 
you will leave those positions for others and work to see how others can fill it. Not that you just be quiet and say, mm, I just want to be humble. I don't want to make it look like I am striving for the best positions. But rather, in your heart, you will still be working. But there will be no secret desire in you to want to be the person taking the highest position. They will not be seen, like we read, having that um, spirit to want to be known by others. Yeah, they, they, it says those who are worthy of attention and preference, they won't be found elbowing themselves into recognition, pushing themselves forward, but they will leave the best and highest places for someone else. Why? In their mind, they are esteeming others genuinely as better than themselves. What does that mean? Does it mean better skilled? Not necessarily, but that is part of it. They esteem that this position, I'm not fit for it. Others have better skills. But even if they know they have the skills, they desire that even, yes, like Jesus, Jesus was not esteeming us better than himself in the sense of we are more righteous than himself and that's why we should have life and he is not deserving of life. No. Esteeming us better than himself in the sense of though he knows that he has the life the holiness, the righteousness, better than us. But he wants us to have it more than he wants to retain it for himself. That is the spirit we should have. We may have better skills than others. We may know more than others. But in the heart, we should wish and desire that others have what we have, not wanting to put them under us. When you look at the world, Jesus said, look at the people of the world. They exercise dominion. Some people write these books like 48 Laws of Power. And part of the principles there is don't let your your inferior to know what you know you go to the offices you see knowledge is being hoarded people don't want to share information they don't want to share knowledge why because they feel that that knowledge which they have more than their inferiors is what makes them superior to them and they don't want the superiority they don't want their inferior to know more than them but in the principle of self-sacrificing love we have no problem with those who are lower than us coming up higher to our level and even superseding us and exceeding our own knowledge we have no problem with them being equal with us in knowledge we don't have that problem but in the world they have that problem but jesus is saying to you that if you want to be the greatest if you want to be like him even if you have the best goods and intelligence and knowledge and skill seek that others will come up higher even if it means you going lower that is the spirit of christ second corinthians 10 verse 12 tells us of course we would not dare classify ourselves or compare ourselves with those who rate themselves so highly how stupid they are they make up their own standards to measure themselves by and they judge themselves by their own standards don't do that that's what we're told don't make up standards to measure yourself and feel oh i'm better than this person like we're told in the devotion i read in conclusion conflict and courage page 3 14 paragraph 5 and 6 in the kingdom of god position is not gained through favoritism it is not earned nor is it received through an arbitrary bestowal it is the result of character what does that mean you don't just pray to god god make me to be at the right hand and the left and then he'll give it to you just because you asked no it is the result of character the crown and throne are the tokens of a condition attained tokens of self-conquest through the grace of our lord jesus christ and you know that all we have been talking about is self-conquest because self wants to be recognized self wants to be in the highest position but if you will conquer yourself you will walk to bring others higher than yourself if you will conquer yourself you will esteem others better than yourself that's yourself that self you would esteem others better than it 
that is the self-conquest and when you do that do you know what you're doing you're actually getting the chiefest position continuing the reading it says the one who stands nearest to christ will be he who has drunk most deeply of his spirit of self-sacrificing love love that vaunted not itself seeketh not her own is not easily provoked thinketh no evil love that moves the disciple as it moved our lord to give all to live and labor and sacrifice even unto death for the saving of humanity amen and i pray that the lord will help us to have this principle of self-sacrifice and love in our characters may the lord bless us with it let us pray dear father in heaven we have seen now the most important attribute of us should be that self-sacrifice and love in times past we have seen ourselves striving for the highest position wanting to lord it over our brethren forgive us dear lord help us now that you take us through experiences because we know that it's not just to hear these things that will make us understand it lord expose us to those experiences that will open our minds to observe and have that principle of self-sacrifice and love to esteem others as better than ourselves to be moved like you to give all and to live and labor and sacrifice even unto death for the saving of humanity we do not have it naturally in us please put that spirit in us i pray in jesus name amen